0: Welcome to the FedHeads, a weekly podcast from Grant Thornton Public Center. Join the FedHeads each week as Robert Shea and a celebrity guest host talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it.
1: Welcome to another episode of FedHeads. And I'm joined once again by my friend, Charles Cooper, who is managing director at The Signal Group.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: You know, we've tried to bring only the best guests Uh, Rarely have we had a fed head stalker on the program and our current guest I met in a police altercation. He was sneaking around my backyard and began to realize that he was uh, a fed head's devotee.
0: must happen all the time.
1: (laughs) Well, Charlie Baisley is senior director of business development at Trellix.
0: And
2: I am an F-O-R and that is a fan of Robert's. And it is a long list in this town of Beltway types that are FORs, but I'm a proud card-carrying member of the Robert Shea fan club.
1: I'm so excited to have you on. And tell us about you and Trellix.
2: Sure. Uh, so we uh, support now um, Trellix, Tom Gan, who you'll meet in a minute here. Uh, I actually came out of uh, the government space. I was a Marine Corps JAG, of all things. I like to say that there was a time, because I spent a tour at the U.S. Attorney's Office that... Occasionally, I had to put somebody into jail, unfortunately. Uh, but now, I always say to people, if you exercise uh, sound cyber hygiene and use a lot of Trellix, I can help an organization stay out of jail. It's the wow. other side of the uh, the fence there. But yes, I support the public, I sec- uh, used to support the public sector team For uh, Trellix, I now support the commercial endeavors of uh, Trellix, and I would just briefly mention that Trellix is the combination of uh, FireEye, the FireEye products uh, company, which was divested from another company called Mandiant uh, last October, and we merged uh, with McAfee, and McAfee is a well-known cybersecurity company. The same private equity firm, uh, SDG, bought McAfee, I think it was March, Tom, correct me if I'm wrong here, but March, 2021. They purchased FireEye uh, in October, 2021. And now the combined organization is called Trellix. Uh, Trellix is a play off of the the word trellis, of course, a lattice-like structure that uh, plants can grow on. and, And there's an X in there at the end because our goal is to someday dominate the what is known as the XDR market. Extended detection and response and we are happy to get into more details on that particular uh, part of the cybersecurity market later in the podcast.
1: Great, well, you're joined by Tom Gunn, who's Chief Public Policy Officer for Trellix. So your job is to monitor, advocate for the interests of the firm. Well,
3: that's right, and first, it's a great thing to be here with all of you to have a good discussion about the public policy landscape and uh, cybersecurity. But yeah, no, I think I've got uh, the best, most fun job in the company?
1: I don't know, we could debate that. Public policy at a global accounting firm or public policy at a cyber firm?
3: Yeah, they're both right up there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So Charles was giving me his forecast a couple of weeks ago on what the year's gonna look like uh, leading up and beyond the the midterms. You wanna give us your perspective?
3: Well, I think that on Capitol Hill we'll have um, still some congressional hearings. We'll still have some focus on a few areas of um, must pass legislation, such as the budget, such as the NDAA, things like continued focus on the Ukraine and others. But for the most part, I think most members want to get back to their districts, get back to their states, to get back to the business of getting reelected. And obviously it's a midterm election. Things potentially could change. Uh, I think many Republicans think the House will tip in their favor. So there are a lot of moving pieces.
0: Well, one of those moving pieces, at least recently, is the, the president bringing the budget to to Congress. And in looking at it, it was really interesting to see all of the funding, not only sort of specific to some of the traditional agencies that focus on cyber, but really a whole of government approach. I'm curious, as you look at the funding landscape around cybersecurity, is it good? Or are we trending in the right direction? Or are there gaps that we need to sort of focus on?
3: Well, overall, I'd give the administration very high marks. They've taken a whole of government af- approach to cybersecurity, which makes a lot of sense. They've empowered CISA further with additional authorities, additional budget, uh, and they've put Uh, pen to paper on executive orders that are driving change. And I think the other thing that's important is agencies that are sometimes overlooked, uh, say the FDA and others are also getting additional focus on cyber. That said, it is also important to make sure unfunded mandates get funded over time because to retool the federal government security space is a long term endeavor and it will last through, you know, the next full four years of this
1: administration. Charlie or Tom, either one of you, you've watched, you know, where government's investing in this space. Anything changed over the last several years in how the government is investing to shore up its protections?
3: I think the executive orders are definitely the key roadmap in many ways. The administration's put a great deal of focus on zero trust architectures to kind of change the security paradigm. They put a great deal of focus on EDR, making sure that civilian agencies can better understand the threat landscape, start to respond to them and take action. Those would be a few examples.
2: Well, again, someone that came out of government, I have a, a particular appreciation for the national security aspect of cybersecurity, and it's just such a difficult problem that the government's trying to solve as well. Uh, David Sanger is a well-known journalist, uh, does a lot of uh, coverage around cybersecurity for the New York Times, and the t- title of his f- most famous cyber book was called The Perfect Weapon. And then there was, I think, a Netflix or an HBO show done about the book.
1: Netflix again. We, we, we just talked about a Netflix show the yeah, other Oh, you way. did,
2: okay. So, but, you know, there's a reason why it's called The Perfect Weapon. I mean, you know, you don't even have to enter the geographical space in order to, to do a cyber attack. You've heard, I'm sure, on this podcast and other places about uh, ransomware and the destruction that that can have on, on some of these small un- municipalities uh, right. all over the United States. So uh, it's a very difficult problem that the government's trying to solve, but I would agree with Tom. I think we're, we're headed in a, in a better direction than we've been.
0: Well, Charlie, you sit sort of in an interesting place where you've done work for the public sector now you're sort of more on the commercial side. How is the, there there seems to be a lot of intensity in the the federal government around looking at cybersecurity and trying to come up with meaningful sort of infrastructure and investments to counter threats. What's the corollary in the private sector? Is the private sector as focused in on it? Uh, Are they staying ahead of the game or are there there places we need to worry about?
2: I'll give a lawyerly or for a recovering lawyerly, it depends type answer. I mean, it does differ by vertical, like the financial services, vertical as an example, they do make uh, just big time investment in cybersecurity. And some of them, I mean, they have very professional cybersecurity programs and and staffs and expertise, best in breed across the brand, or across their entire program and do a great job. There are others out there that they need a lot of help. And particularly, you talk here about smaller, you know, mid-sized type companies that just simply don't have the resources or the people or the expertise to really do the job. And I don't want it to sound like a commercial, but that's where a company like Trellix could step in and help some of these smaller organizations elevate their cybersecurity game.
1: Yeah, we, we talk a lot on the program about trust in government, and it seems to me that there's a lot of uh, fear and rumor that drives people's response to cybersecurity. And then the government official statements, government's trying to take a more active role, at least it seems to me, in helping industry, others really navigate the cybersecurity space. What's a real threat? How should they respond? Do you see increasing trust in the government's role here? Or could it do more?
3: Well, I think overall, enhanced trust has definitely developed over the last decade. Uh, and I think that is because the reality of the threat landscape, the fact that cybersecurity is a top line issue for government and organizations, really has broken through. And uh, from that, you get a greater context, greater opportunity for that kind of trust with governmental institutions. You know, back 10 years ago, you would talk to some policymakers or uh, different private sector actors. And the question was, well, is how big of a problem is cybersecurity? You don't hear that today. Uh, so with DHS and other organizations in play now on cyber, they have the opportunity to address a legitimate concern, and that drives trust.
1: Um, and you mentioned zero trust. That's the government's buzzword in how they ought to approach cyber to some extent. Do you want to talk more about that? Well, sure, and I, I'm sure
3: my colleagues will have perspectives on zero trust, too. Look. W- First, zero trust is first and foremost uh, an attitude. It's an architecture. It's the idea that there are many points of access into an organization and there are many different entities or individuals that have access to an organization and credentialing access controls so that only the right people in the right time can get to the data that they have the right to get to. Uh, To get all that done, you really have to take a very big architectural point of view as compared to kind of a point solution, which, you know, Charlie, you've seen the failures of that many times, I'm sure.
2: For sure. And I I have to laugh a bit here. I'm thinking of a a pal at DHS who I know from my, my gym, actually, but he says that, you know, vendor after vendor comes in and says zero trust is not a one solution problem. And yet everyone says at the end of the meeting but you need to buy ours (laughs) so you know it's one of these uh, difficult again problems that's going to take a lot of effort from the private sector of course those in the government side and working together because it's you know it's complex
0: i'm curious you know we're hearing so much about the, the emerging threats we obviously with the situation in ukraine i know you all have have published some work about what's going on coming out of russia and other places the, the ransomware situation seems to be impacting some local communities at, a, at an increasing rate. I'm curious, where and how should the government sort of prioritize what they're focused on? It seems like it's tough to hit everything at one time. But
3: Well, ransomware is top of mind for the government uh, policymakers right now, for sure. Um, certainly from the White House, they've put a lot of focus on it. Just this week, the Senate Homeland Security Committee just issued a major report on ransomware uh, really detailing the problem, detailing the degree to which cryptocurrencies are used to execute ransomware capers, uh, the need for enhanced information sharing between the government and the private sector, uh, and the need to really get down to brass tacks and implement that incident reporting piece of legislation that's now become law. So. Um, I think we're seeing a good focus on ransomware now because so many innocent uh, entities such as schools have been so terribly impacted.
2: Well, as, as hokey as, it may sound too. The Marine Corps has a saying every Marine a rifleman. And, and I mean this is a whole of nation approach. I mean we need to get the average US citizen uh, more understanding uh, about you know, their cyber own cybersecurity hygiene, as we would call it. Um, and elevate the entire country's game when it comes to to cyber. There's a lot of work to be done in just, you know, starting at the front lines, the everyday person that has, I mean, Robert Shea's home probably has uh, 47 different connected devices of some kind or another. Although I'm going to
1: be an empty nester soon, so it's going to decrease significantly when there's nobody at the house. And
2: I do give credit, I mean, I, you've seen him, but CISA has done a lot of work around just trying to educate everyday people, everyday people. Uh, know uh, municipalities and communities about cybersecurity.
1: so what piece of advice would you have for organizations let's talk about government organizations what what's the simplest piece of advice you can offer them about what to fix right now that they may not have thought of
3: uh, f- on ransomware uh, or in cyber general?
1: generally cyber hygiene generally
3: Well, keep up the good work. Uh, It takes um, a multitude of things. It takes a strong strategy. It takes the right leadership. It takes um, the right processes uh, an appropriate investment in uh, technology. But it's also about training uh, all your employees so that the good hygiene is done. So you don't have your passwords written on a slip of paper under under a book that's right on your
2: desk. Yeah, there's a recent report that said although it's common knowledge or it's commonly accepted that email is the the, the largest vector in this past year they're su- suggesting that in fact you know, uh strength and, and ransomware attacks may have overtaken email even so i mean there are some popular or common ways to to start a cyber attack but uh to tom's point and the point i just made a minute ago i mean you you really do need to start with each individual understanding the problem a little better i mean i can tell you one of the big reasons I got into cybersecurity was event after event after event in the Beltway. You'd show up, and someone would stand up, a leader typically, and say, This is the single most important problem we need to solve. Uh, you know, not 10 years from now, but today. And, and yet, here we are. We're still in the midst of it and have a long way to go. But I think we'd all agree, sitting around this table, we've also made a lot of progress, too.
1: Is money an issue? Is there plenty of money being invested in this, at least at the federal level?
3: I think overall this administration has put a lot of investment in place. Uh, And I think for uh, 22 and 23 there are sufficient pools. I just think that many of these initiatives will require many more years, so funding the out years
0: is critical. And do you feel like the federal government, we've talked so much about the investment that the federal government's getting, are they doing enough for state and local governments and other stakeholders, the private sector, information sharing, et cetera? Well, this
3: administration has been stepping up to the plate uh, a fair amount. Uh, In fact, a billion dollar fund, the state and local grant fund, has been passed into law now. They're working on the final rules. uh, CISA is to uh, start in the later part of the summer, and around $200 million will be accessible to states in 2022. And uh, it's a five year program. So that's an example. There's an enhanced information sharing. Effort that's getting rolled out. So, you know, a lot of good stuff happening. Obviously, more can be done.
1: We've covered the landscape. Thanks for what you're doing. Thanks for being on the program. Uh, You've taught us a lot, scared the hell hell out of us, um, which I I think is part of your jobs. But we're really grateful to spend time with you both.
2: This is a bucket list moment for me. Um, An invite to the White House Correspondents' Dinner or an invite to Robert Shea's table in this podcast, Uh, I'd put this way in front of. White House Correspondents Dinner, but thank you so much for having us on.
1: Having been to that dinner, uh, that's not saying a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
2: hey, this has
3: been great, and uh, so kind of you to invite us, and thanks so much. Thank you.
2: Thanks for listening to The Fed Heads, brought to you by Grant Thornton Public Sector. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us on Twitter at GP Public Sector to join the conversation. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes.